2: live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, and the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now,
0: here is
3: Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. See si, señor. You know what it is? It's a dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, on Little
4: Friday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. So many choices. The Beijing Olympics. Okay. Menstruating people. <laughs> I think I'll go with Peter Bogosian, Author, thinker, former professor at Portland State University who's quit because the university has become a totalitarian ideological regime.
3: We featured his resignation letter in our podcast after the show yesterday, One More Thing. We read it in its entirety, if you'd like to hear it. It's something about the state of universities today.
4: You know, I'm tempted to say hammer it out again. I think it's important. Pretty big deal. Anyway, crank up the music, Michael. It's an intimation party. Joe just mentioned a whole bunch of it. Yeah!
1: Woo!
3: What, um... Before we officially start the show, you mentioned one there. Oh, what's the Beijing Olympics? What's going on there?
4: Well, it was an interesting article I came across. I got it around here somewhere. It was mostly notable for what it didn't say. It was about various groups, uh, particularly Tibetan uh, rights groups, uh, Hong Kong activist groups, protesting NBC for their upcoming coverage of the lavish and beautiful Beijing Olympics. And at no point did anybody say, but it's not likely to happen. It was assumed that, of course, it's going to happen. It's
3: going forward. That's interesting. I've been assuming all along that there's no chance it's going to happen, at least not with our participation.
4: Yeah, I don't know. We can get into it a little little bit later. But um, one thing I absolutely liked about this article is they showed the big uh, symbol of the protest. They're calling it the 2022 Genocide Olympics. And each of the Olympic rings is the... It has a victim being hanged in it uh, one victim is tibet another's hong kong another is uh what does that say i'm not sure i don't know um, if that makes a good logo on a groovy tote bag uh, yeah not so good uh the uh, the poor uh, uyghur people um, are one of the hanging victims inside the olympic rings for the 2022 genocide olympics powerful stuff So we need to
3: start the show officially, and then uh, what I think is going to be maybe the big story of the day? Maybe. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this, it is Thursday already, September 9th, the year 2021. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Well, then let's begin officially, according
4: to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go, at Mark. I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you. Ever. What was that? That was Steve... Oh, The
3: original host of Blue's Clues. Yes, I recognize that voice. Hi, yeah. I'm Steve. Hey, how you doing? We'll have, right. to t- we'll have to talk more about that later. Steve, if, you've, if your kids watched Blue's Clues, or if you watched Blue's Clues, uh, Steve is back. Remember when Steve went to college and Joe took over? Steve is back. <laughs> right. right. So we'll have to talk about that later. So, it um, is so touching and yeah. interesting. Anyway, uh, here's what might be, end up being the story of the day. LA school district, second biggest school district in America, is poised to be the first school district to mandate the vaccine for kids. And you got to get the shot by November. So, here in the next month or couple months. And if you want to stay in school, otherwise, you're going home. Uh, So, how are people going to react to that?
4: Discuss amongst yourselves. (laughs) Yeah, I would, you know, I might edit that headline to say uh, L.A. Teachers Union demands this because L.A.'s uh, schools are run by the all-powerful, evil, mighty Teachers Union.
3: Uh, Why are the Teachers Unions mandating this? Are they mandating it for health reasons? Everything else they've done, as far as I can tell, is just a strong arm for money. But I don't see how this gets them more money. Are they actually just concerned
4: about the COVID? Allegedly, it's for health reasons. On the other hand, you can you can uh, you know offer any pretext you want in a negotiation, but it often ends up getting you more money, and power, or what what have you. So to be an in person student,
3: twelve or older, you have to get it. Um, there will be some exemptions for health, but other than that, everybody's got to get it. So, uh, will the other schools follow? Will there be protests? Will there be mass pulling kids out of schools?
4: Well, everybody just go yes, on yes, and yes, and no. <laughs> Maybe some yes. Uh, actually, I was just diving into some Gallup uh, polling on how people feel about vaccine mandates. Uh, it is really interesting and really revealing. But for kids, that's a different issue. Like I've said all Absolutely along, I true.
3: ran out and got the vaccine
4: first moment I had. I'm not as excited about having my kids get the vaccine. No, indeed, especially as uh, any, anything you see uh, suggesting that the Delta variant is just devastating for children is clickbait, and it's false. There are a troubling number of kids hospitalized. Anytime a kid is in the hospital, it's a, it's a sad thing and, and to be avoided, but it does not appear to be significantly more severe for
3: children. Even Dr. Fauci said that over the weekend, and this is the key thing. Uh, Because you'll see this a lot. The skyrocketing number of cases among children. A quarter of all cases are now children. Uh, You know why? Because I know what they're doing at my kid's school. School started in the last couple of weeks. At school, they're testing every kid. So guess what? They're catching way more COVID than they caught before. So there's been a giant increase in the number of kids testing positive for COVID because all those kids, millions and millions of kids across the country that didn't get tested once all summer long are now getting tested weekly
4: at school. Of course, the number went up. (sighs) The media needs to be shot. (laughs) <laughs> of course, that media needs to be shot full of logic. Uh, it's it's just so annoying because you add to that another great unspoken truth. Every single one of those kids, with the exception of the very very few who get sick, and the tiny tiny number who've died, which is a tiny fraction of the number of kids who die in auto wrecks every year. By the way, it's a tiny fraction of that. Anyway, with those tragic exceptions. Every single one of those cases is a natural vaccination. Nobody ever discusses that. As I've said for the longest time, back when we were dealing with the original coronavirus or the the, uh, alpha variant, since it became clear that kids were not really sickened by the thing, get them all exposed as fast as you can.
3: But no, of course not. So keep that in mind when you hear the number. I don't, I don't know about your kids. My kids are getting tested weekly at school, so of course you're going to catch more. Um, uh, and also on COVID, the president releases his six prong attack on the pandemic today. Six prongs when five prongs is not enough. Oh, how many prongs S- is enough? Six prong plan. And he's going to prong to yourself, sir. He's going to give a speech about that at some point today. Uh, so we need to move on. How does mailbag look? Oh, it's it's good. It's a little thin. I'm going to see if I can beef it up in the next couple of minutes. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, a whole bunch of that stuff that we uh, talked about, we can dig further into. It looks like the Taliban is going to let those planes go that were not hostages and people that were not stranded, and it was, n- and we didn't pay them a ransom. But they are, uh, <laughs> the planes are going to get to fly. All that stuff on the way. Our text line four one five two nine five KFTC.
1: The Armstrong and Getty
3: Show. Well, I like this one. California's unaccountable efforts to help the homeless from the Wall Street Journal. Where did the money go? I'll have to read that. Yeah, Billions of dollars thrown at it, and you end up with more
4: homeless people. Don't try this in your state. Um, you know, you know, uh, the the indication of how desperate everybody is who's not a dewy-eyed liberal in California, the fact that that question was even posed, the fact that it it was even asked is like a blast of fresh air. mm -hmm. Oh, my God, you're asking whether a government program did anything? Thank you. Thank you.
3: And here's a headline for you. I'll give you some of the background. I really think Donald Trump's running for president. Oh, boy. really think he is. No. No, 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 no. More on on that later.
4: (laughs) Things are about to get exciting up in here. Stay tuned, menstruating people and gentlemen. (laughs) There's your freedom-loving quote of the day. This one from Chief Justice John Roberts of the U.S. You may recall his uh, nomination. They said he was a fascist and a Nazi and a right-winger. He turns out to be uh, annoyingly Left from my point of view, but anyway, uh, interesting fellow. And I offer this, and it's a little long, uh, but I offer this especially in the wake of the resignation of Peter Bogosian from Portland State University and his brilliant, eloquent, and incredibly troubling letter of resignation. The point of it being uh, uniformity of thought is now being strictly enforced at Portland State. Not free inquiry, not the exchange of ideas, not logic and and argument, but but strict Marxist uh, uniformity of thought. To an absurd level, as he points out in his letter of resignation. Right, and one of the aspects of that, of course, is that uh, kids can, must have a safe space. They cannot be victims of microaggressions. They cannot be c- confronted with ideas that are different from theirs. It's too dangerous and scary. It
3: used to be, up until a couple of weeks ago, you had to make sure they weren't triggered. But then the left decided the term triggered because it's got trigger in it, and that's a gun. A trigger, the word trigger is triggering, so they've got a new word. I don't remember what it is.
4: I can't even remember. I'm sure that word will be found problematic soon enough. So this is a quote from a speech by John Roberts. Um, It was at a commencement. Uh, Well, a commencement. From time to time in the years to come, I hope you will be treated unfairly so that you'll come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I hope you will be lonely from time to time so that you don't take friends for granted. I wish you bad luck from time to time so that you'll be conscious of the role of chance in life and understand that your success is not completely deserved and that the failure of others is not completely deserved either. And when you lose, as you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance of sportsmanship. I hope you'll be ignored so you know the importance of listening to the others. And I hope you will have just enough pain to learn compassion. Whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit from them or not will depend upon your ability to see the message in your misfortunes. That's one of the best things I've ever heard. It's brilliant. I've been sitting on it for for a couple of weeks now. It was sent along by uh, Jeanette. Um, and, oh, and it's you know, absolutely terrific.
3: I don't believe that a tax. He was wrong about that. But um, that's really good stuff right there. Yeah, it is. Absolutely.
4: Mailbag. Hey! Damn you! Writes Mike. Guys, thanks for mentioning the Steve from Blue's Clues video, which we'll play for you in in just a little bit. I just showed it to my family, and now my wife and my 21-year-old won't stop crying. Oh, boy. I had no idea they felt abandoned when he left for freaking Joe. Just
3: make the crying stop. If you never watched Blue's Clues, there was something magical going on there with that guy. I don't know. He was an interesting dude. Anyway, more on that later.
4: Uh, Let's see, M writes, Guys, I'm a 28-year-old female professional. Uh, I've worked on teams of nearly exclusively women and for exclusively female bosses, and I'm writing about the births out of wedlock story. Some real-world scenarios I've encountered come to mind uh, in the delay of the first birth and out of wedlock births. One, most women are career-focused, don't want kids until their 30s. Society and everyone tells them to be a girl boss, be married to your career. It depends where you are, of course. but Don't just become a mom or a wife, a.k.a. a quitter. I had friends lecture me and try to talk me out of my first baby because I was only 26 and had already been held back by being married for five years. Oh, boy. Two, women po- uh, woman positivity is completely, I'm sorry, uh, that's menstruating people. I'm so sorry, I'm using the wrong term. Women positivity has completely blinded most women to the fact that pregnancy after 35 is difficult and risky. I know so many smart, capable women who are in their late 30s and say they plan on having kids. Okay, when? As Sean has said in the past, time is undefeated. These same women all of a sudden are in a scramble to do in vitro fertilization since they want their baby now but have complications and or no partner. Uh, number three, delay in finding a partner or refusal to marry. So many of my friends refuse to get married. It's just a piece of paper. What does it change? I usually say it changes nothing and everything. Also, most people are now given their entire 20s to find themselves, let alone a partner. And then she talks about when most women uh, are have been taking the pill for years and years. Unwanted pregnancies aren't accidental for the woman with the biological clock ticking. I know women who stop the pill on purpose without telling their partner, and they don't care if the man leaves. They want the baby, not to him. It's cheaper than uh, IVF. Looking at you, Olivia Munn. Wow, wait a half. That was a little, little uh, puritanical. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then she missed... trapped John Mullaney. More on that later. In our celebrity mm. roundup or something. Yeah, I think John Mulaney is incredibly talented. But but if you're going to trap somebody, a, a crazy alcoholic comedian. Fresh out of rehab. You know, fresh out yeah. of a divorce. Mm. Yeah. Eh, all right. uh, let's see. So uh, this is uh, from Al Anonymous. A longtime listener. First-time emailer. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he sent along information that his company sent out uh, this press release. Um, Expensify... Is the name of this company has committed three million dollars plus to expensify.org slash justice, which is devoted to unwinding, unwinding systemic bias by funding 62 campaigns, blah, blah, blah. And one of their ideas is they're going to, they're going to donate 25 cents for every dollar they pay to white male employees. So they're taxing themselves in effect for paying white men. Because evidently that's a crime against society. I used to think this stuff
3: was just quirky and kind of funny and now frightens the hell out of me as I'm raising two uh,
4: someday will be white men. Yeah, indeed. I just got word American Express has been ID'd and outed as uh, holding really harsh, woke seminars for their employees. And 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 we can get into it a little more later. You, you probably know the broad outlines of the thing. But corporation after corporation is having these indoctrination sessions where they're telling white people, you need to shut up. If you're on a team with a person of color, they talk first. They're in the lead, not you. We have to undo systemic racism with Lots and lots of yummy racism.
3: So are vaccine mandates coming to your school? Looks like they're coming to uh, Los Angeles. We need to explain where the term of the day
4: menstruating people comes from. Um, Indeed. Plus, I'll get to those Gallup polls on vaccination requirements. I know a lot of you just despise the idea. Well, I would figure out how you're going to deal with it because the, the majority of Americans are okay with it.
3: Interesting. Uh okay, I want to hear the
4: breakdown of that. Yeah, oh it's all about the breakdown, my friend. It's all about uh, the guessed. breakdown. Watch me it's break there down. There are enormous gulfs between different look at break I'm it down. Spinning Wait. on my back. That's uh that's not good dancing. Uh so we'll we'll have that for you among other things. <laughs> and when does Joe Biden release his six prong attack?
3: Four prongs would be an embarrassment. Five prongs? What are you not even trying? Six prongs.
4: Come over and sniff your hair then show you one of his prongs. <laughs> oh, wow. Good Lord. That's uh, disturbing. He's, well, he's lost his mind. You, he's senile. If you miss an hour, go to
0: ArmstrongandGetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: None of this is about supporting life. What this is about is controlling women's bodies and controlling people who are not cisgender men. This is about. Making sure that someone like me as a woman or any menstruating person in this country (laughs) cannot make decisions over their own body. And people like Governor Abbott and Mitch McConnell want to have more control over over a woman's body than that woman or that person has over themselves.
3: (laughs) That is so crazy. You know, I had missed the crazy context of it. So I just got hung up on AOC using the term menstruating person. To not uh, leave out any trans something or other, I guess. Uh, I guess that's why she's saying menstruating person. But I'd missed the context of it is her saying this is not about life. So people who are trying to end abortion, it's got nothing to do with the fact that there's a living being in there and their life is being snuffed out. Nothing to do with that. It's about
4: controlling women.
3: You're so crazy. You're so crazy. You people who believe that are
4: crazy. It is so nuts. And, and what's, what's awful about it is they're enforcing, uh, these speech codes all over America now, corporate America, and, and they're all bizarre. And they all come in from a school of thought, critical theory. Uh, you need to read James Lindsay's cynical theories and Helen Pluckrose wrote it too. Women can be authors now too, <laughs> Joe. Um, it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, and it 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 exposes how extreme these people are and how out there they are and and yet they're they're such effective bullies they've got everybody uh, you know cowed into submission. Um, Jack, I thought I could come up with that uh, Peter Boghossian resignation letter quicker than I could. I I came across a there it is a, a dry hole as they say in the drilling business. Uh, stand by. He just. Uh, Peter Boghossian, who was one of the writers of those ridiculous social science papers that got published in a bunch of, uh, well, publications, peer-reviewed publications, in spite of them being hilariously nonsensical, because the social sciences are so nonsensical.
3: And he references one, uh, or he references a couple in his uh, resignation letter, as yesterday he resigned as a philosophy professor at Portland State
4: yeah and i'm i 'm going to read you his his uh, letter of resignation because I think it 's important it 's a little long, but uh, do not for a second think that what he experienced at Portland State University is unique now portland state 's a little bit out there, but just a little compared to most major universities. I'm writing to you today to resign as assistant professor of philosophy at Portland State University. Over the last decade, it has been my privilege to teach at the university. My specialties are critical thinking, ethics, and the Socratic method, and I teach classes like science and pseudoscience and the philosophy of education. But in addition to exploring classic philosophers and traditional texts, I've invited a wide range of guest lecturers to address my classes. From flat earthers to Christian apologists to global climate skeptics to Occupy Wall Street advocates, I'm proud of my work. I invited those speakers, not because I agreed with their worldviews, but primarily because I didn't. From those messy and difficult conversations, I've seen the best of what our students can achieve, questioning beliefs while respecting believers, staying even-tempered in challenging circumstances, and even changing their minds. Peter uh, I once I never once believed nor do I now that the purpose of instruction was to lead my students to a particular conclusion rather I sought to create the conditions for rigorous thought to help them gain the tools to hunt and furrow for their own conclusions this is why I became a teacher and why I love teaching but brick by brick the university has made this kind of intellectual exploration impossible it has transformed the bastion of free inquiry into a social justice factory whose only inputs were race gender and victimhood and whose only outputs were grievance and division jack do you want to jump in with any comments or anything
3: um first of all i would have loved to have taken a class under him oh yeah uh secondly how many professors would agree that it's not their job to lead students to a particular worldview i think that's a rare situation
4: a, a shocking number would disagree with them
3: yeah, yeah. i think most i think most professors think no that's absolutely my job to to you know, push out the door little good progressives and maybe even revolutionaries.
4: Right. Here's where he really lowers the boom in his letter of resignation. Students at Portland State are not being taught to think. Rather, they are being trained to mimic the moral certainty of ideologues. Faculty and administrators have abdicated the university's truth-seeking mission and instead drive intolerance of divergent beliefs and opinions. This has created a culture of offense where students are now afraid to speak openly and honestly. I noticed signs of the illiberalism that has now fully swallowed the academy quite early during my time at Portland State. I witnessed... Students refused to engage with different points of view. Questions from faculty at diversity trainings that challenged approved narratives were instantly dismissed. Those who asked for evidence to justify new institutional policies were accused of microaggressions. And professors were accused of bigotry for assigning canonical texts written by philosophers philosophers who happened to be European and male. At first, I didn't realize how systemic this was, and I believed I could question this new culture. So I began asking questions. What is the evidence that trigger warnings and safe spaces contribute to student learning? Why should racial consciousness be the lens through which we view uh, our role as educators? How did we decide that cultural appropriation is immoral? Unlike my colleagues, I asked these questions out loud and in public. Students at Portland State are not, oh, whoops, they uh, repeated a, a paragraph there. Um, I decided to study the new values that were engulfing Portland State and so many other educational institutions, values that sound wonderful, like diversity, equity and inclusion, but might actually be just the opposite. The more I read the primary source material produced by critical theorists, the more I suspected that their conclusions reflected the postulates of an ideology, not insights based on evidence. I began networking with student groups who had similar concerns and brought in speakers to explore these subjects from a critical perspective. And it became increasingly clear to me that the insight. Of illiberalism, I'd witnessed over the years, were not just isolated events, but part of an institution wide problem. And then he goes into a a Title IX investigation into him, which was made by a single white male accuser, was a a set set of bizarre and and utterly untrue accusation that had beat his wife and his children. Um, There was no due process. It went on and on and on. He could not confront his accuser. He could not present evidence. In fact, they wouldn't even give him the specific charges. And at the end, bizarrely, they uh, in the last two sentences of the report, global diversity and inclusion finds there is insufficient evidence that Bogosian violated the, the, uh, the rules and recommendations. They recommend Bogosian receive coaching. For, for what, I find myself asking. Um, <clears throat> not only was there no apology for the false accusations, but the investigator also told me that in the future I was not allowed to render my opinion about protected classes or teach in such a way that my opinion about protected classes could be known. A bizarre conclusion to absurd charges. Wow, that is just crazy. Right, you can't mention black people anymore, sir. Universities can enforce ideological conformity just through the threat of these investigations. And then he goes in eloquent form, and we'll have the whole thing for you at Armstrong and Getty.com. A number of attacks, physical attacks on him, yanking of cords out so speakers couldn't be heard, uh, vandalism of his office. Um, bags of feces left at his door, uh, groups of, of protesters making meetings and classes impossible and nothing was ever done by the university. And in fact, when he unleashed those hilariously revealing crazy papers, he was investigated and punished for doing research on humans without their consent because he submitted the papers to editors.
3: You got to mention that one paper that he submitted and actually got published in a peer-reviewed journal at an actual university. and he got punished for pulling a ruse. The journal didn't get any sort of punishment for you'll print anything. How do you how do you call yourself an academic?
4: Yeah, you know what? I'm scrolling through this, Jack and I, the website I I'm reading this on edited that. They don't have it.
3: So uh, off the top of my head, it was something like.
4: Um... Uh, I'm going through another source that I know will have it.
3: OK, I the don't New want York to give Coast it away
4: because is... it's just so good. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, of course, one of the ones that we talked about uh, on a number of uh, occasions uh, include the uh, the study of rape culture and dog parks and how I can't remember. What was it that revealed something or other?
3: The paper was basically that uh, the penis is a figment of people's imagination and responsible for climate change. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he wrote that, obviously, to be as just ridiculous as possible and submitted it to a university journal. And it got uh, and it got published.
4: Yeah. Yeah. His his whole
3: point being, you know, if you say something is about climate change, you you can get anything published. Um, if you had anything going the other direction, even if it were, I'm sure, if you, even if you had some statistics to back it up, it would never get published. It's all a joke. It's all, It's all crap. It's all anti-enlightenment. All this stuff is anti-enlightenment.
4: Right, it's not evidence-based, data-based, logic-based, it's emotion-based, and just you have to be- believe this or we will hurt you. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the, uh, the the title of that paper, which i found, is The Conceptual Penis as a Social Construct. Uh, let's see, swastik is in the bathroom, bags of feces. I continue to believe, perhaps naively, that if I exposed the flawed thinking on which Portland State's new values were based, I could shake the university from its madness. In 2018, I co-published a series of absurd or morally repugnant peer-reviewed articles in journalism that focused on issues of race and gender. In one of them, we argued that there was an epidemic of dog rape at dog parks and proposed that we leash men the way we leash dogs. Our purpose was to show that certain kinds of scholarship, quote-unquote, are based not on finding the truth, but on advancing social grievances. This worldview is not scientific, and it is not rigorous. Administrators and faculty were so angered by the papers that they published an anonymous piece in the student paper and Portland State filed formal charges against me. As I said, research misconduct uh You know, experimenting on humans. Meanwhile, ideological intolerance continued to grow at Portland State. In March 2018, a tenured professor disrupted a public discussion I was holding with a couple of authors and biologists. In June 2018, someone triggered the fire alarm during my conversation with popular cultural critic Carl Benjamin. In October 2018, an activist pulled out the speaker wires to interrupt a panel with former Google engineer James Damore. The university did nothing to stop or address this behavior. No one was punished or disciplined. And then he goes on to to describe all sorts of harassment. He was spit on and threatened while walking to classes, all sorts of stuff. And then he finally ends with, this isn't about me. This is about the kind of institutions we want and the values we choose. Every idea that has advanced human freedom has always and without fail been initially condemned. As individuals, we often seem incapable of remembering this lesson. But that is exactly what our institutions are for, to remind us that the freedom to question is our fundamental right. Just as an aside, keep that in mind next time you're dragged into one of the re-education camps at your company where they teach you this critical race theory nonsense. The freedom to question is our fundamental right. Everything flows from it. Educational institutions should remind us that this is also our duty. Portland State has failed in fulfilling this duty. In doing so, it has failed not only its students, but the public that supports it. And then he says he's morally obligated to make this choice. One of mine, uh, one of my principles is to defend our system of liberal education from those who seek to destroy it. Who would I be if I didn't? Peter Boghossian, genius, courageous man, and I feel terrible for the suffering he's he's undergone.
3: And one of the few remaining pro-enlightenment figures on university campuses, apparently. Well, he's no longer on a university campus he quit. Hey, I want to read this paragraph just because it's got all the details I think are so funny. In, 20, yes. in 2017, I co-published an intentionally garbled, peer-reviewed paper that took aim at the new orthodoxy. Its title was The Conceptual Penis as a Social Construct. This example of pseudo-scholarship, which was published in Cogent Social Sciences, argued that penises were products of the human mind <laughs> and responsible for climate change.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wow. You can't submit something bizarre enough for them to reject it
3: <laughs> penises are uh just something we made up in our mind and it's the response it, res- it caused climate change
4: yeah anyway if you're you down with the cult if you are down with the cult they will not question you you're fine and if you're against the cult it doesn't matter how much uh evidence you bring to the question but, You're a heretic. so he went with uh two two guaranteed good things right
3: Anti penis, anti man. So anti man and uh, pro, you know, things are ca- causing climate change on board. So those two things alone, all they did was, let, okay, he's against men and climate change, print it. How crazy is that? How crazy yeah. is that? Yeah. And then he gets in trouble for that. Not, nobody says, boy, we maybe ought to look, take a look at our standards here. No, nobody. Nobody.
4: Nope. No, he's the bad guy. That is <laughs> so wild. So we're running crazy late. Uh, there's some breaking news that uh, Biden is going to require all federal employees and contractors to get the vaccine. Gallup numbers on vaccination requirements. Pretty interesting. I think the Perhaps bigger, next, uh, to kick off next hour.
3: I think the bigger deal is that L.A. schools are going to mandate it for all the kids. How, how are you going to react to that? All that stuff on the way.
1: When we were younger, we used to um, run hey, around.
3: Hold on, and, hold on hold, you know. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are we doing here? Okay. Got lots of talking we got to do before we get to these clips, all right? Um, so, uh, if you're of a certain age, you either watched Blue's Clues or your kids watched Blue's Clues. Mm-hmm. Did your kids watch Blue's Clues, Joe? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Blue's Clues was on from 90, specifically with uh, with Steve on, the original host. That's the, the OG of Blue's Clues is Steve. And uh, then I remember when he went off to college and Joe took over, my kids were somewhat devastated. That uh, I mean, Joe seemed like a nice guy, but it was not Steve. Oh, fine, fella. Alex, oh, yeah. Alex, now you actually grew up with Blue's Clues because you're young enough, right? Alex in the newsroom? Um, Who was going to have his microphone ready, but apparently not. So uh, depending on your age, you either actually watched it yourself or your kids watched it. And I mean, it was a huge part of our household. We watched it daily. Not when it was new, but it was all in the reruns, but we had all the DVDs and we watched it daily and steve was such a unique host of the of the show and i remember doing some research into him early on thinking what is with this kid i mean he's really unique and he was is actually like a punk rocker who is trying to make a go of it as a guitar player and a singer in the clubs at night and not making any money and he heard about this audition and he just kind of on a lark went down there and they liked his really quirky personality cuz he did have a quirky personality where he looked right into the camera hey how you doing he was so low key it was just oh, yeah. Soothing. That's what made it stand out so much. But anyway, uh, Steve made a return after all these years. And I got to play this for my kids about what he's been up to and why he left.
1: You remember how when we were younger, we used to um, run around and hang out with Blue and find clues
3: and talk to Mr. Salt and freak out about the mail and do all the fun stuff. And then one day I was like, oh, hey, guess what? Big news. I'm leaving. Uh, this is my brother Joe, he's
1: your new best friend, and then I got on a bus and I left. And we didn't see each other for, like, a really long time. Can we just talk about that?
3: Great. I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you. Ever. And I'm super glad we're still friends. Thanks for listening. You look great, by the way. Whatever it is you're doing, it's work. <laughs> so that's just a portion of his uh, updating people on where he is, and I guess uh, a lot of people who were watching that yesterday were crying. I'll see how my kids oh. react to it when I play it for them. I think adults are probably crying, thinking about their kids watching it. I mean that that gets me choked up just thinking about when my kids were that age and. Oh.
4: Exactly the same re- reaction. I was reading about uh, grown men and women just just weeping tears, uh, having watched this video, and I thought, boy, that's funny. It was a it was a good enough show, I guess, but my kids really liked it. And then I started thinking about my kids oh. when they were young, and oh my god! And one of the off I went.
3: One of the reasons was, um, you know, if your kids watch modern Netflix shows or any of the stuff out there, everything's so you know, it's, my kids love SpongeBob, but everything is so fast paced and snarky. And everything, and this was the absolute, uh, it's like something come out of the 50s. I mean, it was just honest and earnest and slow-paced and quiet, and kids freaking loved it. Sweet and trusting. Yeah. I'd throw in as well. No snark or meanness or pranks or just, you know, just all nice. And like I said, little
4: kids freaking loved it. My kids couldn't love it more. And it wasn't that frantic, flashing lights, bam, 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 pace of so much kids' entertainment, too. It was a beautiful thing. That's a cool video, and the reaction it's gotten is, uh, I think it says something about humans. I forgot about Mr. Salt. <laughs> <What> <laughs> Mr. A... Salt will give you high blood pressure,
3: kids. Yeah, I'm going to play that whole thing for my kids today, and I'll let you know tomorrow how they react. At, uh, I know how I'm going to react. <laughs> I'll have to turn my back so I don't look like a nut.